0: Hi everyone, my name is Liam and welcome back to another episode of the Cine Realm podcast and I'm delighted to welcome back Ryan onto the show. Ryan, how are you doing? Not too bad. Good, good, oh, yeah. good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad either. So, today is one that I think you are extremely excited for, and I'm extremely excited for too. We're going to be running through our rankings of the Star Wars Skywalker Saga, and we'll also include Rogue One and Solo in these rankings. Um, I don't really think this topic needs too much of an introduction I just want to get right into this so Ryan I'm gonna let you start off what is your what is the bottom of your pile we'll go from we'll go from worst to best uh,
1: so bottom I've got episode eight last jedi
0: right I'm the same I'm the same <laughs> we're, we're, we're off to a um we're off to a flying start so why have you said the last jedi? as your um, least favourite?
1: Just, just putting it up there from the start, I don't hate it. I don't hate any of them before we no. start.
0: No, just... no, that's that's fair.
1: It is, to put it bluntly, the worst out of the lot,
0: though.
1: the it... kind of direction it took mm. with <laughs> our favourite characters. But the... Some good development in there, some bad. Some things that could have gone better, some that could have... Could have gone worse to
0: be fair i yeah. i think i I think my problem and i'll i'll skim i'll skim over you know episode seven and episode nine because obviously we'll be including them later on in the rankings i I think the problem was is that jJ. Rams with episode seven had a set of ideas then in episode eight Ryan Johnson took those ideas, put them in the bin, and then fished up his own ideas. Then J. then JJ Abrams came back and did episode nine and took all of Ryan Johnson's ideas and put them in the bin and then tried to pick his out of the bin amidst all of Ryan Johnson's ideas for basically in a nutshell and I think that is where that's where the last dread I failed and the problem was is examining it a bit closer now there were a lot of little subplots that I was I was very confused by and I think I, I think the one premise that a, a lot of people actually enjoy, but one, one subplot that I found just silly was the whole Luke Skywalker in exile fiasco. Because for me, it just felt like a complete recycle of Ben Kenobi from episode four. You know, a, a disheveled um, distant Jedi, you know, who's a shadow of his former self, who's essentially, you know, on the run from all the evil that's plaguing him, refuses to, you know, acknowledge his problems, and doesn't want anything to do with the the Force and is sort of trying to disconnect himself. We've sort of been there before with Ben Kenobi. And, you know, Luke Skywalker came along in Episode 4 and restored balance somewhat to the Force in Episode 6. And now in Episode 8, all these years later, we learn that Luke has gone down the same path as his mentor did, someone who doesn't really want anything to do with the Force, someone who has a very gloomy outlook on life. What? What's going on there?
1: Uh, I'm actually the opposite.
0: Really? The
1: storyline with Luke in our film was my favourite part of it because, yeah, we've seen it before with Obi-Wan and Yoda, you know, Jedi doing Jedi things, going into exile when they fail. But I could I could see why they went that way. With it, I mean, i when Ray gave him the lightsaber at the end of Force Awakens, I thought, "Oh, he's going to take that lightsaber. He's going to come back and he's going to fight." But instead, he it over his shoulder.
0: Mm. So that that was you know, an, she- that was an interesting. That was, and I suppose sort of the the sort of the the um, friction and the chemistry between the two of them. And the sort of banter yeah. that they were having on on that on the island of Arch Two, I, I think that was quite interesting.
1: What I what I liked about it it was just it was reminiscent, I thought, of Luke and Yodron on Dagobah, just you know a master and an apprentice, kind of away from everything, just exiled on their own, doing their own thing, training. Obviously, he didn't have her in a little backpack, but I thought. Yeah, it was, uh, the way he was teaching her as well, I thought well, the best. The description of the force he gave to it I thought was the best we've had in the entire thing, in the entire saga.
0: No, it, that that's that's a fair argument, but I, I am I am surprised you've you've drawn a you do you've drawn a comparison there between the last Jedi and the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, it It is it is, a, it, is a, it is a fair comparison though. But I think we saw it with Ben Kenobi, and then we saw it with Yoda. Uh, at this point. A Jedi in exile was old news, and I was just—I suppose—I was looking for something fresh, and—and and the the other the other side plot that I sort of had a massive bugbear with, for the sole fact that it largely seemed very irrelevant, and it's such and a shame. Pardon? Finn and Rose on bike. F- F- Finn, yeah. Finn, and Rose, because I feel so sorry, for Finn, and I feel so sorry for John Boyega because he was fantastic. In the force awakens and his character was fantastic i love the idea of him being sort of a um a, a storm troop uh, a first order trooper seeking retribution away from the first order that was set out by kylo ren when he became disillusioned with everything that he was he was doing but it came to but it, he he got more and more sidelined as he had such a prominent role in episode seven and he got sidelined in episode eight. And because he was so sidelined in that film, he was practically non-existent in episode nine. It was almost like in terms of his character arc, episode eight was just throwing a couple of nails in the coffin for me.
1: What I thought, to put it out there, I do like Finn. I like John Boyega's character. Mm And when we see when we see the first trailers for the Force Awakens, you see him with the lightsaber. You think we've got our new Jedi, you know, our new guy. And mm-hmm. then they basically said, "Nah, let's not do that. Let's let's make Ray the main guy. Well, not guy, but you know what I mean." Yeah, yeah.
0: It's they—they they yeah. just don't get me wrong. You know, there, there was nothing, you know, wrong with with choosing choosing Ray as the Jedi, but it was sort of like everything to me felt like a kick in the teeth to John Boyega, and
1: yeah, all the build-up. Of Finn being the main guy, and then he goes off to pretty much nothing. And I thought, I thought Rose was a completely stupid, irrelevant character that like, didn't need
0: to be there. and and and, and again. <laughs> I, like like I mentioned, that set of ideas, you know, those, that sort of storyline with Finn and Rose, again, was completely thrown in the trash by J.J. J. Abrams come episode nine. And that is, for me, is one of the biggest problems with episode eight. Is that with episode eight, it it felt like a filler that didn't need to be there. And it had all these ideas that were taken from episode seven and sort of, regurgitated in a very different format and then they they largely went incomplete and underused uh, and unused and come episode nine and we were we were just left with episode nine feeling very shallow and I think the cause of that the causality of that was what Rian Johnson did with episode eight and I I suppose I suppose killing, Luke off, killing Luke, Luke off wasn't necessarily a bad moment of the film in the way that it was done when he sort of had that deal with Kylo Ren. I thought that was quite a good part of the film, personally.
1: I thought Luke... I I knew he was going to die at some point, but I would, have, I would have had him die in episode nine because of what happened to Carrie Fisher... I would have put the Last Jedi as her film, as because Force Awakens was for Han Solo, so I would have put Leia in Episode Eight as the main kind of her story, and then end on Luke. I thought it was people complain about it's, you know the Force projection, the sacrifice, and all that. I thought that was pretty cool. You see, it's something that we've never seen before.
0: I mean, it 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 was it was really clever and, and it was quite a good twist actually and then and when you know when he said see you around kid and he, and he finally made the reveal that he wasn't the last Jedi and then all of a sudden you see that you see looking out into the sunset on Luke's island and then you just see the dramatic falling of his robe
1: exactly the way you started
0: I love it and I and I thought in fairness in fairness that was something that was done very well. In fairness, that was something that was done very well and expanding upon what Ryan said I, I agree with him it wasn't it wasn't a bad film, and it wasn't necessarily a bad Star Wars film, but when we're putting them all together it, because of because of everything that went on and because of all the problems that the last Jedi sort of tried to fix and made worse and the problems that it then went on to create, it just ends up for me at the bottom of the pile
1: yeah. I think the most, uh, in episode eight, the thing that made me most, um, kind of didn't know what to make of it was Snoke's death.
0: Oh, I thought God, wondering. yeah. It was, a really
1: cool scene. it was a really cool scene, but it shouldn't have happened that early. No, it's so a it... mystical character. Don't know who he is or anything about him in Force Awakens. And then he gets about 20 minutes screen time in the next film and then he dies.
0: Well, We, we sort of had this premise of a mysterious character who a new, palpatine, basically. a new palpatine a new palpatine but he was a new character and he seemed very exciting and very intriguing and i think in the way that jj J. abrams conveyed him it conveyed him with a very sort of very subtle scenes within the film but there was enough potential there that the character could go on to become something more and again it it was an it was like another you know screw you to JJ Abrams when Rian Johnson took this character of Snoke and threw him in the trash and I and I largely think and we'll we'll obviously go on to talk about rise of skywalker eventually um, in this episode but the problem was is that I think JJ Abrams bringing back palpatine well, the more I think about it now, was largely caused because of what Rian Johnson did with killing off Snoke. If Snoke wasn't dead, probably Abrams wouldn't have had a need to bring back Palpatine because Kylo Ren was still a very amateur Sith. He was still very new in the ways of the Sith. And, he, and the problem was, is that the problem for me with the Sith. Yes, they're all angry, but if you look at like if you look at Dooku and Duku in his prime Maul in his prime, they 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 feed off their anger. They feed off their anger, right? But it's it's measured, it's it's a measured and it's, and it's a controlled and channeled anger that they use to propel the dark side into the force. Kylo Ren was just blunt force. And don't get me wrong, that made for such an interesting character. But it was nice having Snoke there to sort of ground him and sort of mentor him into the dark side. And removing that character was another problem that The Last Jedi created for me.
1: Yeah, he was... But You you focus on your anger when you use the dark side, but I thought there was a bit... uh... A would too much anger management going on there. But I will say, he's my... Kylo Ren, or Ben Solo, I should say, is my favourite character out of the new ones. I thought Adam Driver did really well with him. And, with what, he, what was written for him.
0: And and one one thing, though, one thing though that I, I will say, I, I will say there is sort of another silver lining to The Last Jedi, is that is that with the last Jedi? I also did sort of enjoy the weird sort of force connection that Kylo and Ray had. I thought that was a good concept, a concept, but maybe not executed in the right way. What do you think about that, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't think, you know, it could it could have gone it could have gone better, really, with what they did. with there, I don't, I don't know to be honest. I don't know what to make of it.
0: No, I, I don't... It's, um... It is a difficult one. It, it's definitely a difficult one, because... Be, because... I I think it was a good premise, but then when they used it to basically give, tell Kylo Ren that Rey's parents came from nothing, it was... Hang on a minute. Rian Johnson has already set these... Uh, you know, J.J. J. Abrams has already set the ideas in stone from the first film that Rey is going to be the, the, face, the new face of the Jedi. But... All of a sudden, her parents, her family comes from nothing. So she's just this random Jedi with all these seemingly powerful abilities and this seemingly powerful knowledge of the Force. Yet, she comes from nothing. And in my part, there's no other really way of saying it, but that that was a bit of an oopsie on Rian Johnson's part, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: And I, I, I think really that that sort of that sort of summarizes it. There were a fair few interesting ideas in yeah. in episode eight, but the problem with episode eight is that those ideas either ruined idea good ideas that came before or they were new ideas that went on to create too many problems in episode nine.
1: yeah, it's a really controversial one
0: it it is it is really controversial it is really controversial so that was the less the last jedi in a nutshell and we're now going to go on to rank the next film up from the last jedi and again Ryan I'm going to hand the floor over to you what is your what is your next film after the last jedi in your ranking um,
1: episode 2 attack of the clones
0: and and me and me as well and me as well. We're still going strong after two films. So, why do why do you say Attack of the Clones in the position it is slightly above the last Jedi, but above but below everything else?
1: Again, I think it was along the lines of good storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a good film. I thought you have your storyline, you know, fight scenes, you know, you wrote the romantic story in there. But then executed. Was executed well. Some of the actors,
0: oh, no. aka Aiden Christensen, get a lot of hate. But
1: they were just... They just did the best with the shit that they had. It was, the, it was poor writing, I
0: thought. Oh, wait, oh do you, do you know, you, you say that it was... Oh, it was shit. There's no real George other you. word. It was absolute shit, right? And that was that was, to be honest, it's actually one of the worst, in my opinion, one of the worst subplots in any film that I've ever seen. That stupid... The way it was done, it had premise, but the way it was done, the stupid sort of love story between Anakin and Padme, it was just bizarre. And the way they spoke to each other and the way they tried to communicate. I mean, don't get me wrong, you could tell Anakin and Padme were very socially awkward within each other's company, but then the way it was written made it so much more socially awkward to the point it was unbearable for the audience. It was so cringy and unnecessarily dry. It it lacked any sort of substance at all. And I They could have done that so many different ways. Like I said, the premise of a love story between Padme and Anakin is sort of a complex love story where they couldn't really be together as Anakin was becoming a Jedi. But you could have done that. You could have still used that story and regurgitated it in another manner, but you didn't. You gave us that crap, which was just unbelievably awful. And that 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 subplot is really... The driving force in what brings, for me, this ranking so low down.
1: Yeah. You could. You could really. That subplot, I mean... it's. I didn't exactly find it silly. I thought it was an important one.
0: It was important, yeah, but...
1: Yeah, it wasn't executed well. You could literally bury it in the sand.
0: Oh, God, I hate sand. It's rough. It's gorse and it gets everywhere. It, does. it did it did give us it did give us some good quality mean value in in my opinion and you
1: can always rely on with the prequels the
0: the the one thing i would say the one thing i would say and i'm not sure if you disagree disagree with me but what i especially found with the prequel films was that attack of the clones was sort of the start of ewan mcgregor coming into the role a lot more because his performance in the phantom menace wasn't great it wasn't too good but, it, but he sort of grew into the character a lot more, and you really saw that, for me, you saw that sense in episode two, as he became more of a mentor to Anakin, that he was yeah, settling he into this character well.
1: Yeah, he grew into the father figure, big time. His uh, big Jedi
0: mullet. And, and, we, and we saw the start of, you know, what was a, a blossoming sort of brotherly relationship between them. And it was, ultimately, it was obviously building towards the tragedy that we would later go on to see in Revenge of the Sith. But I I think that was an interesting seed that was planted, and I think that was something that was done very well.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed what I like When you have Phantom Menace, you can remember Obi-Wan saying to Qui-Gon, why do I get the feeling we've picked up another pathetic life form? Mm -hmm. And then to go on... And that pathetic life form grows into probably the most important person in his life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you could see how much they've grown since he took him on as an apprentice to ten years later, and you could see at the start of the film you can see the kind of banter they
0: have between each other. Oh, the the banter the banter at the start is fantastic. Where they are the way they're trying it's to it. um um chase the the uh, assassin who made an attempt on um Padme's life, but it is. It is an it is extremely interesting and that was some really good foregrounding from George Lucas where he wanted us to be aware from the start that their relationship had grown a lot more. And when in in the at the end of the Phantom Menace, where Anakin sort of asks um Obi Wan after Qui Gon dies, What well, where do we go now, Master? where, where do we go where do, where do we go from here? And um he says, that, well, the Jedi Council have agreed to let me train you. And you sort of see this, there's a sort of insincerity in his voice that he does want to do it. But there's also, but there still seems like there's that reluctance in him. And we don't really see this reluctance in episode two. Of course, he's, you know, frustrated with how Anakin needs more control over his feelings. But there's a lot more depth to their relationship there this time around.
1: Yeah, you're gonna remember at first. He only he only took Anakin on because he promised Qui Gon.
0: Mhm. But I yeah, I think you could I think imagine. as it went on, he was he was more grateful yeah. that he that he had actually chosen to do it himself.
1: Yeah, Well, I liked, I thought the best part of the film was actually probably the very end, oh. where you got big old fight scene with loads of lightsabers oh. on Genosha the battle with Count Dooku, we finally see Yoda doing mad flips and then needing his walking stick after. And then the ending when he says the Clone Wars begun and you see Palpatine standing there with all of his clones. You're like, you're ready to go. The next film is going to be, there's going to be tragedy. There's going to be loss. You know, it's a war. And obviously, between that, you have the Clone Wars, which is amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's another topic for another
0: day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, um, but you know, I, I, I think that. I, I think the ending of Attack of the Clones is really what gives it the little nudge over, or yeah. gives it the little nudge over. It, it's that, and obviously the the foreground of that brotherly brotherly relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan, but it's that ending that sort of ending scene. Not necessarily where Anakin and Obi Wan are fighting Dooku, but when <laughs> little Yoda walks in and he's just staring at him and it's that scene that's just so unbelievably cool when he just opens his coat and just holds out his hand at his other side and then this lightsaber just just goes over into his hand and then oh, and the music in the background. And when he just lunges Oh, it's just class. It's just so good
1: one thing you
0: can't fault with any of the films is John Williams's music. Oh, uh, we, and and to be honest, we we haven't even we haven't even gone into that yet. And and it doesn't really make a difference whether it was whether it was the sequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy or the original trilogy. John Williams's scores throughout all of them were absolutely mesmerizing. Even if the films weren't necessarily as productive as they should have been, his music and his way to create these such detailed, beautiful and complex arrangements that really summarise the essence of what all of the characters should be about was just incredible.
1: Across the stars from Attack of the Clones, Anakin and
0: Padme's kind of love theme. Mm -hmm. You know, you want about that. You know that romantic story between them, but that music. Ex- exactly, and I, and I think that's that's a really interesting point, t- talking point that you take away from it. That John Williams' music for a lot of the a lot of the bad parts of the Star Wars Skywalker saga, his music was sort of an escape from that, and it provided us with sort of a, a silver lining. Yeah. Really, it was it was almost a bit of a bit of dressed served to that sort of whether it was awful screenwriting or yeah. awful acting with his with his little um, motifs in the background. It did it did surprise su- um, supply us with some comfort.
1: Yeah, we see. I think the best, like we say, the best part where you have Yoda against Dooku. You know, we we see Yoda in the originals, and really, the only time he shows off his powers was lifting the X wing out of the swamp. But mm-hmm. now you really, see him kind of—if you can call—you know, eight hundred years old is prime. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean. Where he's the Jedi ha- Order, probably at the height of their powers, and you see him walking. He's big, up, all powerful, and you—you you just know when he walks in, even though he's on his stick really slow. You know exactly what what you're gonna get with him.
0: Oh, exactly. You 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 just know you can, and you can just. You you can just hear the drums in the background, and you can you can see his shadow, and you can hear his sort of grunting. And Dooku look, and you can see the terror in Christopher Lee's face that he knows he can sense that he's about to come up against his old master. And that was that was that was, that was some very powerful camera work.
1: Yeah, but the be- the best part about it is has got to be when he does all of those flips fight in. You know, yeeting himself about, and then as soon as he's done, he literally needs his walking stick again.
0: <laughs> you know, he's he's taken this huge, massive tower and he's lifted it from, stopped it from falling over Anakin and Obi Wan, and thrown it to the side. Then just picks up his stick again and just slouches back down. Just. Right,
1: right.
0: Uh, honestly, it was that that was that was a good part of the film, and like you said, the final battle battle with Geonosis, and that that little memory from Geonosis did also provide us with. A little bit another, you know, interesting insight into the sort of quirky relationship of the brothers you know, of Anakin and Obi-Wan. When Anakin when they end up tied up on the posts and Anakin tries to explain and then we try to rescue you. And Obi-Wan just looks up at the chains and just looks for him, and just goes, Good job. Good. <laughs> That's just is oh, it's just so sarcastic, but it's so oh, good. God. It's so enjoyable to to listen to and and it, again it's it's just a reminder of how even though you know that they're having these these slightly bitter moments where they're a bit pissed off at one another they still having they they still love each other and they still care for each other and that's what was really nice to see is that in this battle you know they really had each other's backs and they were really instrumental in helping to rally all the jedis and the clone troopers together to go on and fight the sith and the droid armies
1: the best. It's a it's a bizarre film because it's overall, it's like we say, if it's this low on the rankings, it's not. No. No.
0: No. No.
1: But it does have its epic moments. You see, your first, your first glimpse of Anakin's turn when his mother dies in his arms, and then he goes about killing not just the men, but the women
0: and the children too. you Exactly. So, I I think, I think to be honest, that's what takes. That's what put, gives it the nudge over The Last Jedi, because a lot of awful acting and a lot of awful writing at various moments in the film, especially that dire plot from... Um, that dire plot, subplot with Anakin and and Padme. But the, the sort of the brief moments where we can see that darker side of Anakin creeping in we can see the developing relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan. It did set up a li- a couple of interesting motifs that were expanded upon in Episode Three, and I think it does have that strength. Whereas whereas the last Jedi, excuse me, had all these had all these ideas, good or bad, that weren't really built upon in the proper way, or were largely discarded in Episode Nine. Episode Two had a couple of interesting theories that was sort of brought more into the equation in episode three do you think yeah i i i think that i think that's i think that's probably a um a fair way to rank it but now that we've discussed two of them i think we need to move on to the next one up in the rankings so ryan again what is your preference over the last jedi and attack the clones but a film that probably doesn't necessarily quite make the cut of the other films what is your next ranking?
1: I think we might have different ones for this one. Okay, with the finale, episode nine.
0: Oh right. I just go. Okay. Uh well, mine is it's close. You know you know what it's close? It's close between this one and my next one, which 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 is episode nine. Um but this this one is solo. I've chosen solo for this one and Fair. and i think what what is what is your next what is your next one after this after
1: rise of skywalker mm-hmm. do you want the spoiler now or
0: well is is it okay okay well we'll we'll, we'll leave it's it we'll, um yeah. right so do you know why i why i put episode 9 over solo why i put episode 9 over solo is that i have to i have to give credit to jj abrams that even though that he he took the mess of what Rian Johnson did with right the Last Jedi, he made an attempt to salvage what he set out to achieve in the Force Awakens, and then, but the last, but with the Last Jedi, I think he did do a good job of making the most of what he had to work with, and of course, of course the. Of course the you know ending is is very very disputable. <laughs> is is very disputable but I think that I think he did the best really of what he had to work with. I think and yeah. and that's why that's why I w- I would probably give it the nudge over solo because for me solo I think was I think was a good film. I think, you know, it introduced Chewbacca and it introduced um, the character of Han Solo in a much in a much younger light. And it and, it, and exactly it was. A, say that again. Sorry.
1: I was going to say I know why like, you've gone. It's because it's not Harrison Ford. It. That's it, a big reason. That
0: that is
1: that
0: is ugh, I I would be lying if I said that it wasn't a big reason, but. You know, I, I do think that, you know, it introduced Chewbacca. It introduced us to the character of Han Solo. It gave him an origin story. And I also think that Aiden Ehrenreich, apologies if I pronounce that wrong, he was a good solo. He was a good younger solo. And what I thought was interesting is as the film went on... He became more like Hans Solo. At the start, he had all these morals and ideals and all this hope, but he became a lot more pessimistic, a lot more sarcastic, but a lot more charisma, charismatic and worldly wise, as it were. Especially by the ending in his confrontation with Woody Harrelson's Beckett, who was who was played wonderfully well again, um, and his final duel with the younger Lando, who was brilliantly played by Donald Glover, and. I just, I think that, I think that it did hold up well, and that's what I, that's what I think because, personally, I didn't have a lot of high, I didn't have many high hopes going into Solo. I didn't have many high hopes because this was after the Last Jedi. I wasn't overly impressed with the Last Jedi as you weren't, and I was going to this film thinking, oh god, I don't know. are they going to ruin this again? Are they, are they going to make an absolute tit of this again? And in fairness, they actually didn't. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, but it still wasn't quite up to the chase as the others, because as I as I said I, I think I think the character of Amelia Clark that played Kira, she was she had potential, but I, I do think that she was underused a little bit. And and I think the the love story was a, fell a bit flat at times, but above all, you know, it was that the problem was it was the legacy of Han Solo was Harrison Ford was obviously a big part of it.
1: I thought it, it was a good Star Wars film. It felt It felt like a Star Wars film, mm-hmm. but it just felt weird being Han Solo because it wasn't Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Nothing against nothing against that Aiden fella, because he was. I thought he, yeah, he did. He did it, you know, pretty well, and he, like you say he grew into the character as it went on. But I, I did enjoy. It. I enjoyed the. We all know the cameo at the end.
0: We all, yes, and, of, of Darth Maul. That that was a that was a nice surprise. I'll admit.
1: What, what I liked the very end as well when he won. He finally won the Falcon. Was when he said to Chewie, "We're gonna go to Tatooine. There's a gangster down there. Mm-hmm. Little shouted to." Big Man Jabba, which I thought was pretty cool, and honestly, wouldn't mind. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to a, a sequel if it was ever on the table. To see where they would go with the mole cameo, and to see what you know, he he, what did he, do? he dropped? He dropped a cargo for Jabba or something. That's why he was wanted. Yeah. So, he'd be like, I think it'd be cool to see what kind of happens there. To see that it,
0: exactly, and I I sort of think that. You know, there wasn't anything that was really dismal about it in, with Last Jedi and, um, and Attack of the Clones. Um, but there wasn't anything that was particularly good about it. It was okay. It was an all right film. It wasn't too bad. But there was nothing really that stood out to me a massive amount. I, for Personally, the biggest highlight for me was Donald Glover's performance as Lando. I thought he was awesome in that role.
1: He's getting apparently he's getting a Disney Plus series as well.
0: That'd be perfect. But a Lando TV know. series with him is perfect, and I, I think, I think an element of how Alden, um grew more into the role as it went on. Is that towards maybe in the beginning, because he had all this pressure on him of taking over the mantle of of Han Solo, he didn't really know quite what to do with himself. He was struggling to find his feet a bit. Whereas I think Donald Glover. Slipped really easily into that role of Lando Calrissian, right, right from his um first introduction in the in the film.
1: Yeah. So sticking with Lando as well, jumping onto Rise of Skywalker, I thought. Mhm. Back, big man, Billy D. Williams. I thought when he when you see his his introduction into the film, I thought that was just.
0: Oh, that was. His, uh...
1: We went to see *Rise of Skywalker* together, didn't we? We did, and the, yes. a smile when he took his mask off and he recognized Chewie like that.
0: And you know what? It's it's comforting. It, it's it's that sense of familiarity that we know, and that and that was also what's nice about Solo. And that's why it's to be honest, it's more of like it's more of like a joint place because it's the more I think about it, it is really hard between *The Rise of Skywalker* and Solo to give one of the edge over the other because I I think you can probably agree with me with Rise of Skywalker. There wasn't anything extremely there were some bad parts of it with Skywalker. There weren't any there wasn't anything extremely god awful, in my opinion. In my okay. In my in my I can see you nodding there. But um but there wasn't anything that especially stood out about it either. So so what a so talking about god-awful, what a what are your sort of talking points regarding that then? And, and go wild. <laughs> go wild. What, oh god, what am I doing?
1: Ray Skywalker. No. Mm,
0: you're a Yeah. That was uh... it's not a joke. That that was that you was know, a questionable choice, know. really. That that was sort of my thing, you know. Don't get, don't get me wrong, you know, she she I like the whole idea that she that she had the ancestry of you know Palpatine, and that she was trying to redeem herself, but it was the, the just de- like deciding to become a Skywalker at the end. It was like, mm. and and that was, that was what I think. What I think made Rise of Skywalker quite problematic, in its sense that it didn't, it it sort of undid. The role that Anakin played. In the in the prequels and the and the original trilogy.
1: Exactly. The best sacrifice ever made down the drain. Cause the Senate survived. But actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't have brought Palpatine back. But seeing seeing Ian, Ian McDermott back in the cloak on the big screen.
0: Oh man, it that I was remember. that was I I can remember I think I think it it was ooh, god when when was it it was, you definitely sent me a, I know I think it was was it May when the trailer dropped it was after the Disney Expo I think it was around May time, when I saw sort of first trailer dropped and we saw the sort of the ruins of the second Death Star and then right at the end of the trailer wow. you heard wow. that sinister but iconic laugh. I came. <laughs> Uh, honestly it was but we knew we were in for a treat and i think the most unfortunate thing about this is that now that we've you know mentioned mentioned your last last jedi we we yet to talk about the force awakens but i think that if jj abrams had had control over the last jedi as well i think he could have done something really interesting in that the first 10 minutes or so of The Rise of Skywalker where we follow Kylo Ren through Mustafar where he tries to find the Sith Holocron and find his way to Exegol and the introduction of Palpatine you know what can you give me you know everything that should have ended episode 8 everything and cut to black that's how episode 8 should have ended
1: imagine that imagine that ending on having to wait for the next
0: one but that would have been perfect though and in a lot, in a lot of regards, it would have ended. It would have ended the last Jedi on a much higher note, rather than the kid, you know, flicking about the broomstick with the force and looking up towards the stars. Yeah, that was hope of sort of a rekindling Jedi order using the force. But then, as we've talked about, because J. J. What J. Abrams, Who the fuck was that kid? As J. J. Abrams came back into control with um, Episode Nine. He threw that. He threw everything in in the bin, and that was a storyline that was largely set about with Finn and Rose. And then in Rise of Skywalker, Finn and Rose were non-existent. And Finn, who was such a prevalent character in episode in episode seven, was sort of a side character in episode eight. And then in ep- in episode nine, bar a little bit of a sequence at the start with the Millennium Falcon, we hardly heard from him.
1: Nah, I thought. The, the reason I put the Rise of Skywalker down, you know, as low as I have, really, the fact that it ended the way it did, you know, a four, 40 year long saga ends like that. I thought the kiss I
0: despised. That was, that was stupid. That was, that was, was just, that was there was, you know, there was nothing wrong with like, you know, them given, I, I, they, they didn't need the, to make them lovers because there was no romantic chemistry between them.
1: Exactly my point. I get, you know, there wasn't really a love story in the that sequel, in the sequel trilogy. But there was, like I say, there was nothing between them. They were fighting the entire time. And out of nowhere, they just kiss at the end. I thought it was stupid. On the desert, when um, they took Chewie captive and Rey's pulling the
0: ship down. That, that is the one of, to be honest, that, that was a bizarre scene when, and then all of a sudden, her and Kylo were sort of having this force wrestling match, and then she just shoots this spike of lightning, it's, oh god, where is this coming from? I'm
1: pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure you learned that lightning by extensive dark side training.
0: Anakin, arguably the most powerful Jedi, you know, who fell to the dark side, even he didn't know how to do that and even vader fresh vader in his prime you know after order 66 didn't have a clue about that
1: and the the you know the the trailer for rise of skywalker where you see her ready to jump over the tie fighter and all that mm-hmm. visually looked really cool but it was not needed like they they're trying to flee they need to get out before they get caught before anything happens and she decides to walk out randomly into the desert jump over a tie fighter and slice the wing and then that's that literally it was pointless it was just there to show off oh look at me look how powerful i am mm. that was a punk scene
0: but... but i i i think even you know i i still think personally what for me gives rise of skywalker the edge over over solo was that Largely Solo's performance. Um, Alden's performance was overshadowed by Donald's performance. And we didn't get to see Solo necessarily shine in the way that we wanted him to. And, you know, it was clever how his performance changed. And he became... He became more like Han Solo as the film went on. But as I said, that sort of inter- uh, like weaving side plot that was carried throughout and then was sort of abandoned at the end between Han and Kira, it, f- it felt in a lot of ways just very lackadaisical. Yeah, it felt thought, very disjunct with the rest of the film.
1: Yeah, I thought with, you say, overshadowing, um, you know, Aiden's performance, I thought... When you think of your new actors, the main characters, you know Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, mm-hmm. I thought in this one, I thought they were all overshadowed by Ian McDermott. Mm-hmm. That was, this might cause uh, debate with some people, but Palpatine's appearance in this was the best, better than Return of the Jedi. He was like a zombie. He looked so creepy. He,
0: looked he, like creepy he had. Whether I would say his appearance was better, is is a, is a, is a fair, it's a fair topic of debate actually. But I, I do definitely, do definitely agree that Ian McDermott was a massive saving grace to that film, and I think in the way that they brought him back, it was the best possible way. The problem Wait. that I, that I have though, is that even though we can you know, deduce from what we know about how obviously, you know, it was implied that Palpatine was Darth Plagueis, the Wise's apprentice, and that he can uh, influence midi-chlorians to create life and potentially resurrect his own. So we can infer that, essentially, you know, Palpatine sort of regenerated himself somewhat. We don't fully know how he escaped the Death Star, and I think that's a problem.
1: I think it was confirmed... But he's a, he's a clone. But I think that's... To me, that's just lazy. I like to think, in my own head, that when he's talking about cheating death in Revenge of the Sith, I like to think he did that. He used his unnatural dark side abilities to kind of resurrect himself and hide in the darkness, you know, for, well, what was it, 30 years? around mm. that. And when he at the start, when he delivers that iconic line the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural
0: yes right. and it was and it and his actions Hold on. Hold on. it was was sort of you know a, a, a nice a nice callback to that and and that's what i yeah. That's what I do think, you know, we we can... And that's what's always nice about the Star Wars universe is that you can read into all these different plot lines in various different ways and you can sort of choose what you like and what you dislike and what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. And I think as you said, it's interesting with Palpatine's character. And I can remember you and I were having a discussion about this a few months back regarding, and there was a lot of news that was generated in the media surrounding the original rise of Skywalker script. And a lot of JJ yeah. Abrams visions that he had for the film were actually cut out of place. And a massive, a massive failing, a massive failing from that film was not having the physical, ghosts of the jedi behind Rey.
1: yeah we've seen the i think i sent you the video tonight yeah you you the...
0: ha- you have where they where someone How has to... edited them behind
1: and then it would look like it's not just not just ray beating him it looks like the entire jedi order is there and is, that's what's needed to beat such a powerful sith that's literally ruled the galaxy died and hidden in the dark for 30 years and nearly done it again. You know, you need every bit of power that you've got to beat him. And that was, I thought, the standout, really. The standout part of the film. The, the voice cameos of
0: everyone. What Even Ahsoka Tano in there. What, what would have been sort of interesting in my, in my opinion would, would have been you know a, a nice callback to like knights of the old republic where palpatine uses his powers and his, his ability to influence life with the midichlorians and his and his knowledge of the dark side to regenerate all of these fallen sith you know darth maul dooku bring the you know grievous you know bring bring a lot of them back um and then, all of a sudden, behind Ray, you start seeing these ghost projections emerge. And then there's this big battle between all the Jedi and all the Sith. But, 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 that is, that, is, that could be problematic because of Avengers Endgame, which is another I film that came out that. earlier in the year, where you have this big battle between Thanos and all of his army, and then all of the good characters in the MCU. Yeah. But it it still would have been an interesting idea if they had done something like that.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that. People would com people complain it's too similar to Endgame anyway. But if they brought back everyone, it's like Endgame Resurrect in the Snap. It would have been too similar. But I think you can't before before moving on, you can't talk about Rise of Skywalker and not mention the end of our princess. I mean, No,
0: no, I know. And because, it was right, that's heartbreaking. It it was it was very tragic. Um, but and but again, as I as I mentioned, you know, all respect to JJ Abrams for finding that, you know, that unused material from The yeah, Last Jedi right. and introducing it into episode nine in such a clever way that felt very natural and felt very yeah. real.
1: I I feel really that's even though it's nobody's fault. Mm-hmm. The what happened to Carrie Fisher—that's nobody's fault. But that was part of the, I think, why it didn't hit heights because it was meant to be Leia's, you know, film. She was meant to be the central character, and obviously, because of the circumstances, that couldn't happen.
0: Exactly. And that was, I think.
1: Partly. But the biggest, the biggest part has got to be, you know, they should have stuck with the same director through all three of the sequels. Mm-hmm. JJ knew what he wanted to do. You know. It's got to be, look at Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson, did all three. You know, it's, it's important you stick with the same director, or, or at least if you change directors, kind of work together through it yeah. to make your story link up.
0: Exactly. Rather than take
1: it with this, then take it this way and then to finish the entire thing off, kind of yeah, having to recover it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think you know, that was, it It was, you know, it was, it was a shame that even though, you know, Carrie Fisher, you know, passed away, we, we we still got to, you know, see, see the most that we could of the footage that there was. But it was, but it was also, you know, it, we, it would have been so lovely to obviously have seen more of her character and given more of her character a farewell. And I, and obviously, you know, because of the, the, the circumstances obviously that you know that, that unfortunately couldn't have happened but i do agree with an interesting point that you made earlier concerning that carrie fisher probably i mean I mean granted obviously with with these unforeseen circumstances they it, it did massively change the production process but if carrie fisher had sort of her had been retired in Iraq had been retired in episode 8 and then Luke had carried on to episode 9. Perhaps maybe that would have worked a bit more but as, as I said it's a it's a very complicated one and, and sort of a, a, a weird yeah. area to talk about because the main,
1: the main um, you know character of Star Wars, Luke Skywalker
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know I think it would have been a fitting end if he, if he, he met his end at the end of the entire thing, you know, contribute to the big fight at the end, make a big old Jedi sacrifice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like it could have gone down a lot better, really.
0: But, um, but you know, like like I said, you know, obviously no, no one could have foreseen the circumstances, but I think I think that would have been interesting. And I think as well, because something, the more I've watched of Star Wars in recent years, is that, you know, Obi-Wan talked about how Anakin had fallen to the dark side and he was meant to destroy the Sith, not join them. But in reality, Anakin was always the one who brought balance to the Force in Return of the Jedi. He, It wasn't actually Luke who did a lot. And I think if you were given Luke this moment in episode 9 to sort of redeem his character and fulfil his character arc a lot more perhaps we would have a bit more of a, a um, you know, a substantial opinion, a more positive opinion about him.
1: Yeah, because you have, he was the main, Luke was the main hero in the original trilogy, yet he didn't he didn't even defeat the villain at the end of it really.
0: He was. He was, yeah. And he
1: he needed his big heroic moment, I think. I mean, he had that in the Last Jedi, really, with the sacrifice he made. But I think they could have kept it for the last one, to be honest. I, I think,
0: I think they could have used it so much differently. Yeah, exactly. I think. But um, but those are, you know, that that that's our sort of next ranking, and sort of my um, my next ranking is that, you know, with I would I would probably give Rise of Skywalker the edge over Solo, but it is close. And I can definitely see where you are coming from there, right we're sort of a, about you know in a, in a lot of regards, not in all regards, but in some regards, you know, a lot of the same opinions about the rise of Skywalker and and how it was done. And I think it does probably rank towards the lower end of our scale. And this brings us nicely. On to what is our well so what is what is Ryan's eighth ranking? Obviously I've talked about mine which is the rise of Skywalker because that was Ryan's ninth. But Ryan, what is what is your eighth eighth ranking for us?
1: I've gone with Episode seven, Force Awakens.
0: Interest interesting choice. Why do you why do you say the Force Awakens at this place? It was
1: it's it's a strange one. 'Cause I I went into it. It was the first Star Wars film to come out in ten years. Mhm. So you go into it exciting, you know, you it's been built up, really hyped up. You know, Star Wars is back again. And I came out of it and I thought, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good film. But then, you know, re watching it a few more times, kind of seeing stories about it, you start to think, Yeah, it was nice, you know. You come out of the cinema first, and you're thinking it was, you know, it was really good. But then, when you watch it again, it's more like you you take more notice because at first you're just kind of mesmerised, like, oh my god, Star Wars. So you kind of like you kind of look at it from that way. Mm. But no, that's
0: that's fair. That that that's fair.
1: Even, even a good film. I thought it was really similar to A New Hope, which is fair because obviously they wanted to play safe. But, you know, bringing Star Wars back. And obviously we have our legacy characters, Han Solo, Chewie, Leia. We get a small glimpse of Mark Hamill at the end. See,
0: this is, you know, this is the problem that I always find with, with films and TV series that have such a, you know, have developed such a fan following, a cult following, you know, that become groundbreaking for their time periods, as as Star Wars did. And even though they weren't as successful, the prequels still left a very big mark on the Star Wars universe. And I, I think that the problem is with With bringing back a franchise or a TV series or whatever else, you carry a mammoth amount of responsibility. That what you produce has to be a standard equivalent to or a standard that supersedes what came before. And... That, that, that is sort of the problem with, with the Star Wars. Because like you, you know, there was a lot of buzz around this film. I was so excited. I remember the first trailer I saw with Kylo sort of, um you know, sort of limping through the forest. And you see that, that lightsaber come out. And then the two little beams come out of the side. And you're like, oh, this is going to be so sick. And to be fair, you know, it was enjoyable. And that introduction of the character of Kylo Ren was really interesting. But I think... The more I watched it, the more I went back and watched it, and the more I thought about it, I was a bit like, you know, it's 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 okay. It's it's a good film. it's fairness, it is a good film, and in my opinion, it is the best out of the sequels, and which is why I actually rank it a little bit higher. And obviously, we'll skim over that when we get a few places above. But I. I, I do think that, you know, as you said, it, it has its problems in that regard of being, for whatever, for whatever better word, you know, over, overrated and overhyped. Because two yeah. examples to recent memory that I think of, of very risky reunions, were the um, Breaking Bad El Camino story following Jesse Pinkman after the events of the first Breaking Bad film, and that was masterfully done. Considering how long it's been, it's been five years, six years since we last saw the character of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, and that universe that Vince Gilligan created for us, for Aaron Paul to slip so easily back into that character and Robert Forster Gorest is so one of the last roles he's ever he, he ever did before he sadly passed away earlier this year. In fact, it might it might have been his last role. I'm not too sure, but um, but yeah, I I love that film, and I thought it was something that was pulled off masterfully. And again, there was a lot of risk surrounding that. There was a lot of risk that you had this critically acclaimed TV series in Breaking Bad, arguably one of the greatest TV series of all time and then you're going to re- you're going to do a a 2-hour long feature film just tying up a couple of loose ends oh god is that really going to work is it going to fall short there's so many things that can go wrong with that but it it succeeded in almost every aspect and another thing that had a lot of hype around it was the from the popular Welsh slash English um BBC sitcom which was Gavin and Stacey and the Christmas special, which is around December, I am—I'm um, a massive fan of Gavin and Stacey. I always have been, and I—and I love the characters. I love the writing from Ruth Jones and James Corden, but I can't deny I had massive concerns over the Christmas special in the build to the Christmas special because when it was announced, everyone was so excited, and to a degree, I was, but I couldn't be as excited as everyone else because. The first three seasons were so good and so well done and so well written and it ended on such a high that I was worried they were going to take the reputation and piss it against the wall. But they didn't. And again, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And linking all of this back to Star Wars, Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, ended like Breaking Bad and ended like... The Gavin of Stacey season three. It ended, you know. It it tied a lot of loose ends together. It was a fitting culmination to what had come before, and everyone was happy with it. The fans were happy with it, and then episode seven came along and resurrected the force again. And yeah. that was a, that was my that was my sort of really my only sort of problem with it.
1: Really, another another topic. For another day again is how toxic the star wars fan base in general is because oh it can be really toxic yeah how, because of how amazing the original trilogy was you know it wouldn't be outrageous to say it is one of if not the best trilogy ever made oh for sure they were oh for sure joint with lord of the rings in my opinion but when it's the standards are that high and then next film's don't meet that standard, fans jump on the, it's shit, it's trash, that bandwagon. Exactly. Rather than rather than looking at it and thinking, genre, is a good film. It was obviously not as good as the ones that have come before, but it's a good film.
0: Oh, it was. The, it was good.
1: The like, the fans hated the prequels, really. You know, but now that the sequels are out, they think the prequels are good. So in 10 years' time... New Star Wars films will come out, they'll <laughs> think they're terrible, and the sequels will be amazing.
0: Some, some people you just can't please, can you? No,
1: you can't. But, yeah, going back to why I've kind of put Force Awakens here, is more the fact, yeah, it was a fun film. It did, You know, it felt Star quite like a Star Wars film. Like I said, with Solo, it's got to feel like you're in that galaxy far, far away. And I thought it did that really well. The introduction... About a new character, I thought it was pretty
0: cool. Mm. You know, we got we got BB-8 as well, which we haven't mentioned. New drama Oh, BB. B- B-
1: with with Poe Dameron's introduction, I thought that was cool. As as this the sequel trilogy went on, I started to actually dislike Poe a lot. Really, but I didn't mind him. Yeah, but I didn't mind him in the Force Awakens. And then you have, you know, Han Solo back on screen, which probably made grown men cry in the cinema.
0: Mm. oh no that, oh, that was dreadful
1: even more when he you know rest in peace and Chewie of course you've got to see emotion from Chewie as well he showed more emotion yeah. than
0: brave.
1: he's a wookie your best friend like you know you've known for such a long time gets killed in front of your eyes Going on a mad kill streak <laughs>
0: Thought, well, it's not Call of Duty. Was, I
1: don't know, I thought it was a, I thought that was a really cool scene.
0: <laughs> it was a cool scene yeah. to be fair.
1: Yeah, and the the exchange between Han and Ben Solo which was uh we didn't actually mention the rise of Skywalker which was brought back up.
0: Exactly. Um him. exactly how how Han redeemed yeah. him and that was that it's I think was a powerful scene because it was that was sort of a a really interesting sort of cathartic element that was introduced in, in The Force Awakens. And, and that's why I, I really liked it, was that that whole scene where he tries to re- um, reconcile with his son. And, and you can see in Adam Driver you, Driver, you can see because particularly his facial acting throughout all of these films was, was tremendous. And you can see in his character, his face is sort of in between, is in this mixture of emotions. He's, he's wrestling with his conscience that one minute... He wants to follow his heart and and subvert back to the conventions that Luke taught him about becoming a faithful and honest Jedi. But then, like Palpatine, he's also being coerced into evil. Um, That's one of, like,
1: my, one of my. reasons why I think he's probably the best of the new characters because there's he's not like any other Dark Side force. No, we've seen.
0: he was he was more complex.
1: Wants, you can see in his heart he wants to. Go back to the light. He wants to see his mother again. He wants to go home, but he feels like he's too he's too far gone. You know, he thinks he's past the point of redemption, and that I just think the character development that went through it in the Force Awakens. I thought he started off as a an angry an angry Mm -hmm. child.
0: Mm. That, that, that's He's what doing. makes him that's what makes him so interesting in in because you know a lot of people could say he was like a re- was amazing so again sorry his character development was amazing oh it, it sorry, was I it wasn't and, and you you could say that he was he was almost like a, a recycled Darth Vader in, in some regards, but I think with Anakin he had so much anger that it was almost becoming impossible for him at a point where he couldn't be a Jedi like everyone wanted him to be. Whereas with Ben Solo as Kylo Ren, he was trying to be something that he knew he wasn't. And that he was pushed down a path that he that he knew he couldn't follow and he was trying to be convenient and trying to convert himself. And he and he ended up being in this sort of this state of flux that sort of drove his anger. Is his anger of elements of the dark side that he had within him, but then his anger over what he'd done and how he betrayed his parents and how he betrayed the faith of Luke. And and he's dealing with a lot of mix of emotions and and he, and he's a very complex and very interesting character, and, and that's why, that's why I, I probably place the um, the Force Awakens higher on my list than you have, because I think that, I think that Kylo Ren had. Kylo Ren had a very interesting story arc throughout the trilogy that was ultimately yeah. kickstarted in the first film.
1: My um, probably my biggest issue. The Force Awakens is really, well, you know what it is. It's how Rey is so powerful out in nowhere. And
0: she wasn't too powerful at the start, though. I didn't think.
1: Come on, she was. She found out she had Force powers, and twenty minutes later, she beat someone who was trained in the dark side, with zero training. People compare it to Luke and say, like, you know, Luke had Luke had no training. He had barely any training, and he went and fought Vader. Yeah, what when he fought Vader? He lost his hand, and Vader wasn't even training.
0: But I think, I think at that point, though, I think as I as I've talked about Adam Adam Driver in 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 the later films, his anger became sort of more of a controlled nuance, and he sort of and he sort of sank into his role as a Sith a, a bit more. Whereas in the first film, it seemed very fresh after the after you know the, the events of what happened with Luke Skywalker's failed rekindling of the, of the Jedi Knights he was still trying to find his feet with the Sith and control his new dark powers, and ultimately, I think that is what gave Rey an edge. Because you can see with with the way that that they are dealing with one another, Rey is very clumsily trying to fight him with a lightsaber, but then Kylo is just as clumsy too. He doesn't really have much form and much stance to his saber practice.
1: Well, yeah, you could could look at it from that point of view, which is fair enough, but... Still, for me, I don't understand how she beat him. Like, you you could put up a fight, but the fact that she beat him, it's nothing you know against her or nothing against him, but it's more of there's no kind of oh, what's the word I'm looking for logic. No logic to her. Like, he's he might not have full control of his dark side powers yet, but the point is he's still at training using mm, the force. That's true, that's true. Or Snoke, he's had training. Ray literally had zero training. She found out she had force powers out of nowhere. And then picked up his lightsaber and then beat someone who's trained. Hmm. It was that's the biggest issue, really.
0: I think I think one one problem was it with it was is that and, and we mentioned this. We met. we mentioned this earlier on, was it was sort of those Early sort of sidelines attempts towards Finn that we had all this promotional material directing Finn as sort of the new face of the Jedi and then it was and then it was changed to Rey and I don't think that necessarily helped matters not because there wasn't anything wrong with you know obviously Rey Rey being a Jedi but because it had been built up so much that Finn was going to be a Jedi, and then he wasn't, it was almost a star, and it was almost creating, it was almost making it too easy for Rian Johnson to do what he went on to do with this character.
1: Yeah, I thought, I did, I did think it was a strange run, really. Because I thought when, you know, in The Force Awakens we get you know we get nothing about her parents but we assume that we either assume that probably she's a skywalker or that she's you know there's nothing there there's no no big name in her family it's just you know she's a force user and she's starting afresh on her own her own story mm-hmm. which is the way it kind of went with the last jedi the any reappearance with nobody after all the build up. And then to kind of justify in the Rise of Skywalker why she was so powerful, they just stuck the big palpatine name on her. I thought she needed a better backstory really. This is this
0: been. is this has just come to me. This, well, this has just come to me when I've been when I've been thinking about this while while you've while while listening to you and, and I think what would have been an interesting backstory is if because we mentioned and obviously it was mentioned throughout the Force Awakens where there was this failed attempt to recuperate the the grandness of, of what the Jedi once had and the order that they had. And and Luke sort of failed at that and Kylo stormed through the academy and murdered all of these disciples and then fled to Snoke and and embodied the dark side. What would have been interesting is if is if Ray, as a younger child, was one of these pupils and she and she actually escaped and the reason she was living by herself on this desolate planet of Jakku was largely because she was trying to run from the danger of Kylo Ren and the impending rise of a new dark side of the Force. What do you think about that?
1: I don't know. It's I like the idea. It's a cool theory, but you kind of see in flashbacks that she is pretty much abandoned on her planet. She doesn't flee anyway.
0: She but it would have been it would have been maybe cool if she had though.
1: It would have been a good Yeah, it would have been more it explained why she was she had force powers and why they came out of nowhere when they did. So yeah, it would have been a better explanation for her powers there. But I don't know, there was a lot of rumors about why she there was rumours that she could be a Kenobi. You know, there was rumours everywhere about mm. What she was, why she had these powers. I don't think the, it was. I don't think it was explained well enough in the Force Awakens, really, because we see a character out of nowhere gain massive powers.
0: I think. I think. I think that that is that is sort of a problem with it because I-, I don't necessarily have a problem with many of the introductions. I I did love how Poe was introduced, as I've talked about with Finn. I love the character of Finn. I loved how Kylo was introduced. Arguably, we can both agree that Kylo is. Um, is probably the the strongest character in the sequels. And I didn't mind how Rey was introduced in the first one. We saw this desolate loner on Jakku, with a lot of mystery surrounding her character. We don't know where she's come from, or why she's come to be on Jakku. But then suddenly giving her all these powerful force powers, and Luke, Luke's lightsaber calling to her, or Anakin's lightsaber calling to her after all these years, what do we... What can we make of that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's...
1: Like I say, in an in introduction was pretty cool because she's brought in as a completely unknown character. You know who knows who she is or what she could be. But then it's like you say, with the lightsaber, why her? Why is it calling to her? What makes her special?
0: And I I d I don't care that it's calling to her. I just want you to bloody explain it.
1: Exactly. That's what that's what's lacking. That's what I don't well there's probably a lot of fans who are out there. Just on like the fact there's a female lead. No problem with a female lead as long as no as long as, no. as logical, as, as long as there's more you know, there's a story behind there as to why she's got so much power. It doesn't really
0: make a difference whether That's it's just, it's it's male it's it's male or female it has got a... There's got to be some sort of substance to the character. The character has to have an essence that the audience can bond with. And I think that is probably one of the elements of The Force Awakens that failed. But I yes. think taking into account the rankings that we've sort of done so far, we, we do both agree on one thing, and that is that The Force Awakens is the saving grace of the entire sequel trilogy. It's the best yeah. out of all of them.
1: Well, what I would say about Rage, you have... You know, there was potential there to be a much better character than she was. And I thought, really, n- nothing against Daisy, really, but I thought a character was just boring. Because she comes in, at first, she's all mysterious. You don't know wh- what she's doing. But then when you see that she's powerful already, it's just kind of boring. Because there's like no development. Where
0: and then the, the thing was, is that.
1: Literally no powers. And then, you know. He finds out he has powers. He trains, and he trains, and you kind of grow with him. Same mm. with Anakin. He starts off as a kid.
0: Exactly. And yeah. And and don't get me wrong. Like I I think that I I think that as um. As as in, in The Last Jedi, that could have been something that probably should have been explored by Rian Johnson. It sort of became his responsibility to fill in a lot of those questions that we were left with after The after the Force Awakens. But no, instead, as I've said, he took all those ideas from J.J. Abrams, threw them in the bin, and went off on his own tangent. And Rian Johnson has talked about in interviews how he doesn't like pandering down to what the fans want. But when you're making a Star Wars film that's literally the biggest responsibility that you have pandering down to what the fans want <laughs> that's what it's it comes down to don't
1: please the fans
0: of course it's of course it's about as a director you know you, you're an artist in your own own right you want to see a project through and it and it needs to be your vision and your your perfect vision for the project but then you've got to think hang on a minute I can't be I can't be so selfish and I've got to think about what the fans excuse me, what the fans want too. And there wasn't a lot of relationship there between the fans and Johnson's style of storytelling. And that, I think, only enhanced the mess with The Force Awakens, is that now we've seen all three, we can look back on all three together as one sort of continuous storyline and think about what was good, what was bad. And... We can see those plot points sort of complementing each other throughout all three films and how they continued and how they developed, whether they were finished, etc. And with Ray, after episode eight. After episode seven, sorry, with episode eight, she could have had the backstory that we didn't get. You're going to make her a powerful force user. Okay, fair enough, that could be forgiven. So long as in episode eight, you go on to talk about it. But they didn't and they didn't expand upon that and they made it just a bigger and bigger big and bigger hole by saying her appearance meant nothing, which only added to this suspense and was then something that JJ Abrams tried to clumsily resurrect in episode nine and then created a bigger mess by making her a Rey Skywalker. And it was the problem is, is that Rey, as we both talked about, had potential, but it just wasn't executed properly.
1: I don't I don't really think um I don't think they knew when they made episode eight where they were going with her because you have when she first met Luke on the island. Um, he asked her, "You know why? Why are you here? What's so special about you?" And they didn't really give an answer. She was. She just said, "Something has always been there." That's that's not good enough. Come on, we've lost in there
0: the, the know, fans of the years. fans have waited over ten years to see a new yeah. Star Wars film and the best and the best you can give us is that something is that something is there yeah
1: like I thought the best one of the standouts of the standouts of the trilogy and I think especially Force Awakens was Chewie because mm. obviously he's a fan favorite obviously and probably with the Force Awakens Han Solo was stealing all the the uh, headlines. But you know when he died, and then you see Chewie flying the Falcon by himself. You know that's heartbreaking stuff. But then the reintroduction of three PO R2 even though he didn't have long in there. Mm -hmm. I think kind of the reintroduction of the classic fan favorites mixing in with the new generation. I thought I thought Force Awakens was a good overall was a good start. So the new new story. But I think, personally, if they were going to make a new trilogy, you know, you just bought Star Wars, you won. You're obviously going to make something with it, because anything with the name Star Wars is going to make you money.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah.
1: I think maybe rather, because I thought Return of the Jedi was the perfect ending. I thought rather than expanding the Skywalker saga, go off and explore the galaxy more. Like, maybe Mm. do more you know a trilogy of anthology films on fan favorite characters like you know Boba Fett Darth Maul you know obviously Kenobi mm-hmm. and then or maybe even like you mentioned the Old Republic Night of the Old Republic give us something on the old stuff you know the what happened even before the Clone Wars and the Republic you know give us the Old Republic the Sith when the, the rule of two first came in there's more to expand than just Skywalker really but I thought it was a good start to
0: the new new era. Yeah, it it, it was a good start, and and you know I, I think I think there was a lot of potential there. It, it was just a shame, really, that it went on to become the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, which became more and more of a bigger mess. And and like you say, you you hit the nail on the head that the Star Wars fan base at times can be very unnecessarily toxic. It really can be, and I think largely as these films went on, the the influence of that toxic fan base sort of grew and grew and grew and it made sort of a disjunct ending to the Sky- excuse me, to the Skywalker saga that no one really was l- hoping for. And I I don't know, I just I think it was a shame. JJ Abrams had had a lot of good ideas with The Force Awakens and like I said, The Force Awakens was definitely a good film. But then After the last, after that, they just sort of, they sort of just went downhill very quickly.
1: Yeah, they didn't know. I don't think they really knew the change of direction where they was gonna go with it.
0: No, no.
1: it It didn't flow as well as it could have, to be honest.
0: But that is that is your eighth ranking, and obviously I've I previously discussed my eighth ranking, which is the rise of Skywalker, because. We we overlapped a little bit there, but this episode actually, I think, is coming towards an end, which means that it's going to be the start of a second mini series on my podcast, which will be talk, which will be ranking the Star Wars films with my good friend Ryan, and there are so many more areas of Star Wars that we have to discuss. Yeah, just
1: uh, a quick mention that my net rating was solo, but obviously don't need to say any more on that because we've already discussed it
0: exactly exactly and, and that's what's that's what's interesting because i could i could sit here for an hour and a half or whatever discussing all of this by myself when i probably go through it twice as fast which means I, w- I would skim over a lot of things. But it's it's also handy having someone else's rankings, especially because what I think is always interesting about the Star Wars universe is it's so diverse and so debatable. And for for years, we, we've had many a discussion about the Star Wars films. And that's what I think makes you and I such good friends, is that we can, we can sort of find a lot of common ground and then we can find a lot of things that we disagree on. And it makes for some really interesting talking points.
1: Yeah. It's, it's good to debate with like other people about war the kind of opinions they would have on such a you know such a big topic.
0: Oh, exactly. In terms
1: of cinema, because Star Wars is up there. Oh, it is. As probably, in my opinion, the best franchise you know ever made. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly famous. Lots of different opinions from different people. You know, it's good to sit them sit down and just compare them.
0: Oh, definitely, how, definitely. Kind
1: of how whether you've got popular opinions or unpopular opinions. But I know I've got a few unpopular ones,
0: but I've got I've 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 probably got a few unpopular opinions as well. And obviously, as we as we go on throughout this mini series, I'm sure we can unearth a few of them. But for now, I think this is as good a place as any to end this end this episode and I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Ryan for coming back on the podcast again.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: So alright, any anytime. And um, obviously if you if you haven't seen Ryan in my my last episode which was discussing how the Hobbit trilogy, whether or not it's underrated that was my second episode I think so make sure you go over and, and check that out but there's nothing left for me to say apart from thank you so much for listening in again if you have any queries or any episode suggestions feel free to message me on instagram at the cine realm podcast or email me at cine podcast at outlook.com and also if you are in listening on apple podcasts feel free to leave me a rating that, that that's always very helpful and, and always nice to see but um, Um, but thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you for another episode. Take care, everyone.